From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. Uh, he says, all you have to do is offer to help out a couple of people, and pretty soon they put you in charge. And this is a way of just expanding your career. So I was always a classroom teacher, but I had a chance to do a whole bunch of other really interesting things, working with some fascinating uh, people doing, uh, you know, just enriching my, my practice and my career and my life uh, for that matter. On this episode of What the Job, I speak with retired teacher Robert Gardner. Robert taught high school social studies for close to 30 years. Though seemingly a straight-line career, Robert talks about the varying paths teachers can take and the different opportunities that are available. During this reflective conversation, Robert shares advice that is valuable not only to teachers, but to anyone starting out a new profession. What the Job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monarchs program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash alumni. So what's your name and what's your job? Okay, uh, my name is Robert Gardner, and uh, I have been a social studies high school teacher for a lot of years. Um, I am recently retired, so I'm quit, done, finished, walked away from that uh, back in June. But uh, I did high school social studies for about 30 years. I'd have to go back and actually count. That's really, you know... (laughs) That's quite a quite a tenure time to do social studies, and uh, mm-hmm. I imagine as a topic, social studies probably went through a lot of change over those thirty years. Well, the world went through a lot of change, and so um, classroom circumstances and uh, curriculum have changed a little bit. But the world changes so much. So for a social studies teacher, every day, every week is different from the one previous because there's so many things happening, so many things uh, to talk about. Um, And that was certainly my career. Um, When I started, uh, you know, the space shuttle had just taken off for the first time. And then uh, here we are years, decades later, and the world is a, a very different place. Lots of things have happened in that time. So it's exciting. Always was exciting and interesting. Tell me a little bit um, as we try to go through your career journey. What was it? How did you get into teaching? What was it about teaching that drew your interest? Um, I started maybe a little bit late. Uh, I have to concede that I was not a good student when I was in school. I didn't really have the the skill set to be a good student. There were things that I liked and things I didn't like. I particularly liked some of my teachers. I had an English teacher that was really good, and I had a social studies teacher that uh, was really good. And I sort of looked at them thinking, that looks like something I might like to try, or, or maybe I could do this. Now, when I graduated from high school, I simply went into the workforce and had a job for a while until I couldn't stand it anymore. And then I went back to post-secondary Uh, first at Grant McEwen, just taking some minor courses, and then at the U of A to get into the education faculty. And that's how it started. It uh, seemed interesting to me, and I got into the program. 
Um, I have to say, I did not race through the education faculty. Uh, it took me five years to get a four-year degree because I had a pretty good time uh, when I was on campus. And uh, I almost have an arts degree, actually, because I was taking courses outside of the education faculty, just out of interest more than anything else. So I took my time. It was cheaper then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And, you know, I, I'm just kind of interesting when you got to that point where you realized the work that you were doing after graduation wasn't where you wanted to go. Did it click in your mind then, you know, teaching was the thing that you, you had thought about before? Yeah, I think so. It was always something that I was interested. In. And so when I was finally, uh, I worked at a department store and I tell you, that was not a good time after a while. So I think when I first decided to go back to post-secondary, I said, I do want to get into education. I knew that right from the very beginning. I want to do what I can to get into the ed faculty and I may have to take some courses and learn how to read and write again and those things. Um, but I always knew pretty much that uh, teaching was something that I was interested enough in that I would pursue it. Uh, talk to me a little bit about going into teaching and based on like what you had, what were your preconceptions and what was it actually like when you started to, uh, you know, do the education and start getting into classrooms? I'm not sure that I had any preconceptions. I, I sort of knew what teachers did because I, I watched them when I was a student and I had a sense of what a school was. But the education faculty uh, was very diverse. Some courses were interesting and some less so. Uh, met some really interesting instructors uh, on campus and uh, learned a lot about the education profession. Uh, it was a good experience. Uh, that said, we have to be honest, uh, U of A undergrad programs are really big. You know, there's too many people and it's very hard to build some relationships and get to know instructors really well. But the experience generally was good for me, uh, learned a lot and thought about things. And then when I went out to do my student teaching, that was very rewarding and I learned a lot of things there. So um, my ed, ed degree, I got a, a master's later on. But uh, the education degree was good without really knowing. I mean, looking back on it, I suppose I would uh, make some changes or uh, make some recommendations about doing things differently. Uh, but it was a good program, and I thought it was useful. And I know that it's changed over the years. Um, they've restructured the program. It was a four-year degree, and then they changed it. You had to have a, a partial arts degree and then go into the faculty. And so there's been some changes over the years. Probably there will be more changes coming, I think. And why social sciences? Why not, uh, you know, math or science or English? Uh, no, I should not be teaching anybody math. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah, I had a bad experience with math um, and sciences for that matter. Uh, I have a greater appreciation for it now. But uh, social studies and um, English were always my favorite things. Um, I actually started out with the intention of becoming an English teacher. And I think for my first year or so uh, in the profession, I was an English teacher until somebody needed, some school needed a, a social studies teacher. And I did that. And then you take a few more social studies classes under your belt. And then eventually they just ask you to do that instead of English, which is fine. And tell me about being in the classroom. Because, you know, as I said, at the kind of the, we were talking before and I was like, I think it, the thing about being a teacher is, um, getting in front of a classroom, all the spotlight's on you, right? And all these students are looking at you and you have to be able to teach for that until the bell goes, right? And did you find that stressful? How do you do that? 
Um, it is stressful initially. It's hard for everybody, I think. You know, young teachers uh, have that issue. You're a little bit intimidated by the number of uh, kids in a classroom. You worry that some student knows more than you do. Um, all of those things are a concern, and, and they're true. I mean, they're crowded. There's a lot of people. You're running into all kinds of circumstances. But it's partly putting on a show, and I think that's what teachers we all do after a while you know it's like stand-up comedy uh you learn to put on a, a persona and conduct yourself in a particular way and interact and try to relate with students and uh, create an environment which is fun and interesting uh that's primarily what we do and then uh, with a little luck kids will learn some things as well but uh, part of it is creating an atmosphere and an environment which is enjoyable for me and for the students and in that kind of a context and that kind of an environment you can learn things you can explore ideas uh, and the other thing too it takes us a while you realize yeah i'm not perfect i make mistakes i think young teachers and um, you know teachers in their pre-service um, student teaching they worry about that a lot it can be very nerve-wracking but if you kind of let that go and uh, allow yourself and let the kids know that you're uh, not perfect either, uh, if you don't have an answer, we'll go find out, I guess. And uh, if you make a mistake, oops, yeah, we'll try again. And, uh, so it's not too bad. But it, part of it's a show. So I think a lot of teachers that I have worked with over the years, their teacher persona is somewhat different from their real life uh, sitting at the coffee table uh, kind of uh, persona, which is interesting. I think that's how we managed to get through. Yeah, the theater side of it is kind of interesting. You don't really think of that. But I mean, you know, in uh, in universities, it's literally a lecture theater where, uh, where there's a professor at the front giving it. Uh, and it is very performative. But uh, it's also, I think, you know, Talking about um, the kind of skills that you need to be a good teacher, talking about young teachers and the things that they need to develop. What were some of those lessons that you maybe learned early in your career that uh, that really stuck with you for the rest of your time teaching? I think one thing that I figured out early is that I need to know more than I do. So I read, uh, I, I still do, I read a lot, um, you know, my monthly bill at chapters indigo is enormous and and this is what i do and i think that's what teachers need to do they need to know particularly in the humanities they need to know a lot of things and they need to know a lot about teaching and teaching methodologies and so all of those kinds of things uh, i just had to be a sponge for the the first while and take in as much as i can because that informs not only the lessons that i give to other students but it also helps me to um, convey ideas and information. And that's what I figured out pretty early on. I used to stay up really late at night, uh, you know, writing out by hand the notes that I was going to give to students the, the next day, and you know, surrounded by books, uh, learning my craft. It was very enjoyable. Um, but that's what we figured out, I figured out pretty early that I need to do that. And it's, it doesn't change. We all need to know more than we do. Uh, if I was walking into a, a school setting, you know, early in my career now, I need to know a lot more about technology uh, because it changes so quickly and students are on top of things that I'm not particularly adept at yet. I need more information about more places in the world and more um, ideas about how the world unfolds from different points of view and perspective. Um, I tell you, it does not get boring. 
not that part. There's parts of it that are boring, but uh, the ideas and learning things is never boring. And you must have to always be on top of, to teach social studies, you must always have to be on top of current events and always be on top of how things are changing. And that's why I think a long career in that field is kind of fascinating because I was asking you about how things have changed is because you're able to sort of trace, you know, that history by being on top of it the entire time, right? Like the interactions you had with students you know, in year one compared to year 30 must have been very different and yet probably somewhat similar. Yeah, I think that by and large, students don't change that much. I mean, we like to think that they do and that they're so much different from the way they, but you know, kids are kids. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the same kind of uh, quirks and attitudes and and frailties that they always did. Uh, They're just better armed with technology and information. But um, the kinds of things going on in the world, the world is more complex. Uh, People's lives are more complex. When I first started, you know, uh, diversity was a a sort of a new idea. Um, And now it's everywhere that you look. And we're trying to accommodate all kinds of different aspects of people's lives and their cultures and their value systems. So it's more complicated now than it used to be. Uh, The influence of technology is more complicated now than it used to be um, because kids would get their news from a couple of different sources. You know, we could cut out uh, clippings from the newspaper. In the old days, there were these things called newspapers. uh, So that's how I started my career. And now it's very different. You have instant access to all kinds of different perspectives and points of view. Uh, but that's good. That's part of what we learn, and uh, also engaging and interesting. I I enjoyed it right up until the the moment that I said it's time to do something else now. Hmm. Wow, that's a fulfilling career then. Um, and I think you know you're talking about information, getting it uh, at the moment, and we think about things like social media. You think social studies is kind of really important right now. The ability to think critically about the world around you is a, a kind of a really massive thing, important thing. So that's a fascinating field on its own. But one thing I also wanted to talk about is what what strikes me based on the other conversations I've had with career people on this podcast and talking to you about teaching is the overlap I hear about what goes into leadership, leadership of like a company and teaching. The same sort of sense of like, there's a bit of performance, there is some humility of admitting you don't know all the answers, but you're going to find them. And you, you know, you're, you're leading a group of people uh, in both scenarios. So this is kind of, I haven't really thought of it that way before, but it kind of struck me. There's also an aspect of organization. Teachers who are good need to be incredibly well organized. So in my early days, uh, like I said, I was uh, up late at night reading books, planning my lessons, you know, a few hours in advance. Uh, towards the end of it, I had a really good idea of what was going to happen over a 10-month period. So when I went into the school in September, I could say to myself, um, I think we're going to be doing this unit in March. Um, these are some materials that I'll be using in October. Um, I had it all written out in calendars and kind of point form. Uh, so that was a really good skill to develop over time. Is, uh, I pretty much knew what was going on in the broad perspective of things. Uh, I planned far in advance. I had student teachers who would ask me in the morning, what are you going to teach uh, 
you know, this period of 10 minutes from now. And I said, I haven't decided yet, but that was an exaggeration because I was churning around. What are some possibilities? I know where I need to be by Friday. It's Tuesday. What could I do today? But uh, the organization part of it is really important. And this is for uh, administrators, for classroom teachers, for people in industry and business. Uh, they need to know what's coming and to be prepared and to plan for those things. So that was a good skill. Lots of teachers, once they get tired of teaching, and that may be within five years, can move on to uh, other careers and other paths because they have a skill set in organization and learning how to get along reasonably well with colleagues and uh, a little bit of uh, training. Uh, so it's a, it's a good career. And the training that we get in the education faculty, I think, covers a lot of really good things. I was going to say, probably conflict resolution comes up a little bit of time as well, dealing with students. Yeah, dealing with students is easier than dealing with colleagues. I mean, conflict <laughs> resolution. I mean, I've worked with some people who are hard-headed and you just want to attack them with a two-by-four. But with students, you know, uh, you work out what is a middle ground. You explore some different ways of thinking about things. You try to resolve some problems. and uh, But that's part of it, Yeah. Uh, in your path as a teacher, did you stick straight to teaching or did you ever diverge a bit? Did you do administrative work? Did you do uh, anything outside teaching? There was a time early on when I had this delusion that I wanted to go into administration and become a principal or something, but uh, that didn't last very long. Um, and there were other things that I was interested in. So although I was a classroom teacher, I was a department head for a long time. That's a pseudo administrative position, I guess. But there were a lot of things that I was able to do. And partly it has to do with taking advantage of opportunities because taking advantage of opportunities creates more opportunity. So I think in my first or second year of teaching, I got involved with the Alberta Teachers Association, uh, doing some going to meetings and learning a little bit about the profession from outside the classroom perspective. And I got to know a lot of people. It's like this giant network in teaching. Everybody seems to know everybody else. And uh, lots of people are engaged in all kinds of activities that are outside the domain of a single classroom and 30 desks, you know. So I got involved with some ATA stuff, um, worked on some committees, did a little bit of work for them, like creating useful resources and documents for other teachers uh, to do. There were some opportunities that came up with Edmonton Public Schools. Uh, because it's a huge district and there's 200 schools and God knows how many administrators, uh, there's opportunities that are posted um, either in mail or email or online these days. And you can simply volunteer to um, serve on a committee or advise the superintendent about something or work on this or that. So again, there's all kinds of opportunities to uh, meet people and uh, share your experiences and talk to other colleagues. And I did a lot of that over the years, and that turned out to be really rewarding. Um, so writing textbooks, I wrote I don't know, three, four, and uh, a handful of articles because I knew people and they knew me and it was a chance to work with some people. Um, Edmonton Public Schools, uh, a couple of the high schools had a partnership with schools in Finland uh, through the ATA and I was involved with that for a little while and uh, I worked on curriculum 
<laughs> one of the endless efforts to rewrite curriculum uh, in this province. So I did some of that. But a lot of it was uh, getting to know people, saying, yes, uh, I'll help out. Um, one of our, I don't know, legendary social teachers, Larry Boy, who used to be the ATA president. In fact, he's been in the news recently because he's um, writing articles and things. But Larry told me once early in my career, uh, he says, all you have to do is offer to help out a couple of people, and pretty soon they put you in charge. <laughs> and this is a way of just expanding your career. So I was always a classroom teacher, but I had a chance to do a whole bunch of other really interesting things working with some fascinating uh, people doing, uh, you know, just enriching my my practice and my career and my life, uh, for that matter, because it was so rewarding and uh, so engaging. So that's partly my, my career itself was fairly linear, but the things that I did within that uh, were pretty diverse, I think. It's interesting because when... When I think about teaching from that outside or, or any sort of, I think, profession that is, um, well, as you said, like we think linear, right? Like you'd think, oh, you go become a teacher. Maybe you go become a principal or a vice principal yeah. or something like that. But otherwise, the path is kind of the same. But a lot of the advice that you're sharing right now, things like take advantage of opportunities, um, you know, help people out, um, build those relationships and networks. This is the same kind of advice that we hear from like everybody on this podcast. It's just good career advice, especially mm -hmm. that, that take advantage of opportunities. So it's fascinating to me that um, something that I don't see about the world of teaching is how many different opportunities can, can crop up and be available to teachers. Sure. Yeah. It's a matter of um, sort of checking what's out there. And there's, it's not hidden. There's all kinds of advertising and, and promotion and newsletters and news feeds uh, within the teaching profession. So uh, I have... I have a fairly good idea what's going on at Alberta Education. Uh, I have a pretty good idea what's going on with the Faculty of Education uh, here and in a couple of other campuses. Um, school jurisdictions frequently uh, advertise looking for opportunities to network and to uh, build communities uh, with uh, one another uh, across grades, across subjects, uh, across buildings. Um, so it's a matter of keeping your eyes open. And then if something seems appealing, um, you know, click and say yes and uh, attempt something like that. It is possible to completely isolate oneself uh, to the point where uh, it's not a rewarding career and it's just frustrating and makes people angry. But there's a lot of uh, opportunity to do all kinds of interesting things and, and meet really good people. And uh, you just sort of see where it goes. Well, were you retired before the pandemic started? No, um, they, I tell you, in a world of change and experiencing different things, I guess it's important to experience that. So for the last year and a half, I was under that going to school sometimes, not going to school, classes canceled, getting kicked out of my uh, my classroom at 3.15 in the day and, and being told, take your belongings with you because you're not coming back. It was a pretty weird time. How did you adjust? Like, I'm really fascinated in how teachers manage this because, you know, you're going from a pretty well you talked about how you're you're planning in advance right you're always thinking about but you're thinking about the lessons and the content right mm -hmm. and then this time you got to actually think about the logistics or is that something you're always thinking about i mean to be like have a course prepped 
where you know it's going to be in person and you're going to give presentations or whatever or lectures or uh, PowerPoints or slides or whatever you would normally do. And then to have to shift all of a sudden and do that all remote. Uh, how how did that come together? That was tough. And I, I don't think that uh, lots of teachers would say, well, that was easy. We managed to pull it off. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, we made it work. Um, and credit to all the people and all the efforts that went into it. Um, but it was tough. It was a struggle. I don't know anybody who, with a, a, there's a handful of people who taught using technology a lot and they were good at it. But the, the vast majority of us were used to standing up in class and uh, working with paper and with desks and with human beings. And so it was tough to make the adjustment. And also it was a moving target. This all happened really suddenly. Uh, you know, schools are shut down and nobody really knew what was going to happen. And then in Edmonton Public, as with uh, lots of other places, we went to remote learning as we tried to figure out what that was going to be like. And we had to learn new software and new ways of delivering information and making sure the kids had access to everything. And it was not smooth. Lots of families didn't have uh, bandwidth in their homes. They didn't have decent computers. Uh, a lot of teachers were unprepared. All of my really good stuff is uh, locked away in a classroom and I'm not allowed to enter the building. Uh, that kind of thing. So it was a challenge. And uh, we, in Edmonton Public, we experimented with things. We had um, classes, one class per day uh, spread out uh, over the, the week. And so students wouldn't meet for, in a regular class, you would have a one hour, then they'd go down the hallway and then some, go to somewhere else for an hour. We didn't do that. Uh, we would have one class that was kind of all morning. Uh, students weren't away to to work on something that I assigned them, but uh, it was a struggle. And then in the in the the year following, uh, we came back to school, but then we would get kicked out for a while, and we came back to school, and then we would do remote. And some teachers, actually, I did for a little while, taught from my classroom using. Um, cameras and uh, computers and things that was sort of interesting i gotta say that yeah, must be um, weird like an empty room it was an empty room yeah and i'm sort of talking to a computer screen and by this point lots of students are uh, putting up their avatars and i don't have anybody to interact with uh, really except for you know two or three who were I really appreciated because I was interacting with two students out of 30 and the rest were who knows what playing video games or asleep or who knows what. But uh, anyway, it was weird and very disruptive. So suddenly you're sent home and Christmas break is going to be a, an extra week longer. Um, so you have to plan and adjust and adapt to all that. And you make decisions about what things you're not going to do because we really don't have the time anymore. And what about exams? Uh, it was a challenge. I'm really glad that it's all over and teachers and students can start to go back to kind of like real life. But that was a tough time, no question. And we talked about teaching and the performance of teaching and in any type of performance, audience is so important, right? So to have that screen of avatars as opposed to faces. I mean, I mean you know, if you think about a stage actor, it'd be really hard for a stage actor to do the same show in front of an empty room as they do with an audience that's reacting, right? Because you feel you feel that connection. So 
that's a, that's a change, you know, I'm just thinking about now that I hadn't really thought of. And also, again, what a time to be teaching social studies uh, during a pandemic. We, those don't come around. Well, uh, knock on wood, they don't come around very often. So, Yeah, it was interesting. I remember, um, quite frankly, initially, I didn't think about it. We knew that something unpleasant was happening in other parts of the world, and it starts in China, and you could see charts. And uh, I kind of shrugged it off because this was, you know, in the fall of... Uh, what was that, 2019? Is that when it started, kind of? And then it slowly... And I would make jokes about it in class. And I said, ooh, we have one case of uh, COVID and it's in Calgary. So let's not worry about it too much. And then, of course, it spreads like fire. And um, by whenever it was, February in 2020, we were getting all kinds of instructions about how to wash your hands properly and how to keep students uh, separated, uh, you know, a safe distance, which was ludicrous because anybody who's ever been in a classroom in any school in the Western Hemisphere knows that you cannot have that kind of safe distance. But they were telling us each student needs to be, you know, 36 inches away from the other student, and that was just foolish. Uh, <laughs> So we did that, and then uh, one day, I think it was uh, mid-March, uh, suddenly it's all over. Uh, the, the students are gone. The teachers came back for two more days, and then all of the teachers were sent home, and we were told, do not come back to this building, uh, and we will mail out or deliver stuff to your doorstep if you need it. That's I got some of my materials uh, dropped off uh, in my front yard because I couldn't go back into the uh, classroom or the school. That was a pretty strange time. It's a real, it's a, it's a heck of a way to end your career uh, with a, with like the kind of change that I think everyone remembers is you're talking about those moments, like the first case and starting to get to be told to wash your hands. I just quickly can remember what was going on with me and my own work at the time. I was actually working in the faculty of medicine, so I can really remember a lot of that <laughs> stuff, but uh, you know, and uh, it's interesting to to have a, a career um, to to come to a close like that, right? In a moment that is so historically relevant, but also just so had such an effect on on your profession. Um, I'm I'm just kind of curious now that you're retired. You know, you talked about taking advantages of opportunities. It seems like you're still doing stuff. What what are you what are you doing now in retirement? Uh, to be honest, right now I, I do whatever I want. Uh, so. <laughs> I don't have anything lined up. There are continuing opportunities. Um, I'm supposed to go have a, a beverage with the, um, the dean of the Faculty of Education next week. We've known each other for years and years, and we talk about, oh, you know, Bob, would you like to teach a course uh, on your campus? And I might. You know, I could do stuff like that. Um, believe it or not, I'm helping to mark diploma exams uh, later on this month uh, because they didn't have enough people to mark exams, so they go into the bottom of the barrel and find retired teachers to help out with that. Uh, that was another thing I did a lot of. Uh, those opportunities are advertised. Uh, classroom teachers can help to mark provincial achievement tests in elementary and diploma exams and in high school. And again, the instant network of people from all across the province, uh, people from Alberta Education, you get to know folks and you get to find out 
what else is going on uh, out in the province. So I am actually doing that. Um, I don't know about opportunities to write textbooks. Uh, chances are the whole textbook industry is going to change to online or something. Publishers, the few that remain, uh, they're not sure what the future looks like. Uh, I might do something like that or write some articles. Who knows? Uh, but I'm still pretty connected with the U of A ed faculty. I know several of those people, particularly in secondary social studies. Uh, they're friends of mine. And uh, so I'm close to that. Something may come along and uh, I may say yes. That sounds interesting. <laughs> You know, we, we've scattered advice throughout this podcast, and I just want to kind of come to a consensus about some of the things that you've shared uh, in terms of like what uh, maybe pe teachers who are new in their career, what are uh, one or two things that maybe they can take away uh, in terms of like some good advice for starting out as a teacher? Well, there's a couple of things that I would say, and I do say this to um student teachers. I've worked with lots of student teachers uh, over the years. Uh, again, another opportunity to say, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to work with a young person. Uh, this is the best career in the world if you want it to be. There's lots of really good things to do. Um, I think one of the things that's almost certainly on people's minds these days, the complexity of classroom conditions, there's no question, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult. They're probably worried about political upheaval and funding cuts and, and things like that. I've told students, uh, pre-service students in past, um, I've been through what, three or four or five or six crises. Uh, they happen. Uh, this is a strange profession in a challenging province, but it works out. Things are okay and it's still a really good job. You learn a lot of things, get to know your students. Um, develop relationships with them, and have some fun. Uh, this is, it's a good time, and you don't have to be perfect. I said that earlier. You don't need to have all the answers, uh, but be willing to find some uh, information and some answers and, and be willing to make a few mistakes, and uh, kids are okay with that. You can just kind of laugh along with it and learn with them. I think that's the most important thing is being in an environment where we're partners after a fact, right? We're after a fashion. We are learning uh, with each other uh, to get through the curriculum and uh, to find out what the world is about. And the world is a fascinating place, uh, the good things and the bad things. Um, and uh, try not to drown in the, the negative information. There's a lot of negative out there. I mean, the world is uh, <laughs> a mess, let's be honest, but uh, it's still fun. Uh, and there's still really good things to be done with kids, and, and kids need that, as a matter of fact. Uh, they, particularly in high school, uh, lots of them have a sort of a, a cynicism that they've been cultivating for a long time. But uh, you need to point out and remind people that you know, life is good, and there's opportunities, and it's fun, and there are some engaging things that uh, happen outside of the, the news and outside of a a classroom setting and outside of the exam that you just you know punted a few minutes ago. Uh, so that's one of the things that I would say. Yeah. You know, a lot of teachers also think about getting a master's degree. So how do you juggle working a full-time job and taking advantage of all these opportunities while also doing a master's? Yeah. Sleep. What, what is sleep? I, I um, that part of my life is missing. You know, I was still relatively young 
in my career. And it occurred to me that marking social studies essays about government uh, was not always a great way to spend my evenings. And I picked up some night classes at the U of A just for fun, education courses, uh, just to get out and meet some new people and do something a little bit different. And I can't remember who it was. It might have been the uh, the chair of the department, secondary social or somebody, who said to me one night, you know, you already have half of a master's degree. Why don't you actually just fill out the forms and uh, pay the rest of the fees and, and do this properly? And so I said, well, okay. And I just did it part-time, evenings. You take one class a week, and yes, it's extra work and some extra reading, and you try to balance all of that. And it can be difficult. There's uh, no argument about that. Sometimes you're just swamped, but you get through it. And it was worth it. Uh, my undergraduate experience was pretty good. My uh, master's degree experience was just great. What a reward. And I am really delighted that I did it. And I still know some of the people in the faculty who were instructors at the time and people that I met. And uh, that was uh, the the best time that I spent uh, on campus was those evenings for about five years, I think it took to get through you know, all the courses. But uh, yeah, you know, stuff happens and it's, it's hard to juggle. Um, you just manage to do it. And uh, if you really can't do something, you cut your losses and you make some decisions and choices. But... Uh, uh, there's always ways of recovering and there's always ways of getting things to work properly. One thing I notice talking to you is just how immersed you are. How do you go all in? Like, how do you not get sucked under the wave when you're all in like that? Um, I, I have to be honest, you know, and with everybody, it's not just teachers, it's everybody on earth. There are times when it's tough. Um, you know, you've got family commitments, you've got job commitments, you've got COVID, you've got political uncertainty. Uh, there are times when it's difficult. And teachers are all going to have that experience. Young teachers are going to have that experience. Um, partly what I do is I breathe, you know, put on some music, uh, read something mindless and uh, or turn on, watch violent television or something for a while just to sort of put all that aside for a little bit. Um, and then you get up the next day and you know, chisel away at it a, a little bit more. Um, it is hard, but you need to remind yourself that there's more on the table than just this. And sometimes it's tough. Um, politically, it has been just a, an ugly time for teachers uh, recently. It's really hard. Um, funding problems, uh, more and more challenges in the classroom. Sometimes you turn that around. Uh, classes, I said this earlier, the classes are more diverse than they ever were before. But that's interesting, too. That's part of the, the work that we do is getting to know different kids with different kinds of abilities and circumstances and perspectives on life. And that can be just as eye-opening as anything else. Um, but yeah, there's there's going to be days when you just kind of you know, pull the blanket over your head and uh, hope that it all goes away. But uh, you, know, you get up and you keep at it, and there will be good days and bad days, and, and there will be days that are absolutely fantastic and hysterical and fun. And that's what keeps you going. Uh, so we do this like... Yeah, i got to tell you a story. And you can edit this out if you want. No, go for um, it. Let's see, 2001. Okay, so I am 
comfortably 10 or so years into my career. I'm teaching at a big high school in South Edmonton, 9-11. That's one of those moments, where were you when? And that changed something for me. First of all, uh, the shock of seeing these planes uh, fly into um, you know buildings in downtown Manhattan was uh, traumatizing and fearful, and it was uh, an upside down day. But I remember distinctly. I actually wrote an article about this and gave it to uh, Dr. George Richardson in the Faculty of Education. Got published somewhere. Uh, the U of A did it. And um, it was about what it was like to teach after that moment, after 9-11. And I remember being in the library. We're standing around a TV set because it's really hard to get information. The Internet is plugged, uh, radios and TV. But we did have one television set that was following this. And uh, a bunch of kids huddled around, and we're all shock and dismay and outrage and all this. And I had several students who were clearly, I think, Palestinian background. And they were saying, yes, now the Americans know what it's like. And my eyes went like this, and I said, here's an entire world that I have not been familiar with. And uh, the the earth just kind of opened up, and I said, I need to find out more about different perspectives. Because, you know, uh, for a long time, we had always lived in this uh, quiet, comfortable little pod of North American you know, upwardly mobile, middle-class families, and this was different. So that was the first time that I started to see a really different way of looking at the world. And the nice thing about that, the nice thing, uh, it took a while, but after a while, students were talking to each other about their experiences in different parts of the world. And we were starting to realize, yeah, this is not North America, this is everything. Uh, Globalization, this is us. Uh, We have people, families from all kinds of background, different experiences, different perspectives, different beliefs and values. And it started to come out because of that moment. Uh, So that was another trajectory that I went on uh, because of that day. Uh, So I wanted to share that because it's actually a really good story about how the world affects what you do in the classroom and what you learn from it. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting, too, because the students uh, in high school now, they're all post 9-11. Like they, they weren't alive. University oh, yeah. students, not even. But yeah. they live in the shadow of the policies that came out of 9-11. So they're, yep. they're deeply affected. Anyhow, I do want to get to the lightning round. We do this with everybody. Okay. So these are just questions and you just answer them however they come to your head. Uh, the first one is, have you ever been fired from a job? Any job? Any job. Um, I drove a forklift at a bottle depot and I got fired from that. We won't talk about why. Okay. When you were a kid, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, well, probably a secret agent. I was into James Bond movies. It's a hard job to get. <laughs> yes. It's not very safe. What's something that you wish people knew about teaching or maybe something that's misunderstood about teaching? Um, I think that there's a general misunderstanding about how complicated it is. Uh, Unless you're in a classroom working with all of this, you don't really see it. But once you're there, you say, oh, there's more to this than I thought. And I don't think a lot of people know that. What advice would you have for someone who feels like they are stuck in their job or they're in a career rut? Um, You could do a couple of things. If you're 
teaching, you could switch to a different school, a different kind of um, environment. That would be an easy thing to do if you're in a, a big district. That's not a bad way to do things. Lots of people do the same thing for too long. Try a, a different department. Um, go take a, a night course. Do something a little bit different. What do you think you would have done had you not become a teacher? We get asked this sometimes, um, and the answer is really interesting from teachers. They all would have done something that gave them the power to control their work and their environment. Uh, so being a writer or being a, an entrepreneur or being a, the, the foreman of a work site or something. Teachers are really interesting. They're not only territorial, but they want to have uh, control over what they do. And if we weren't teachers, we would end up doing something like that. Uh, what was your favorite thing about being a teacher? Uh, each day is different and kids are great. I mean, some are not great, but, you know, kids by and large are fun. And I enjoy working with uh, young people. It's been a really good time. Uh, in respect to your education or your career path, is there anything that you wish you had done but didn't do? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. That's an interesting question. I had a chance to do a lot of things that I wanted to do. Uh, I worked on curriculum and textbooks, and I did my master's degree. I traveled. I did lots of really cool things. Uh, so I don't have uh, too many big regrets. I have tiny regrets, but uh, I did pretty well, I think. Yeah, you can't do it all, you know? Yeah. This has been really great. Uh, I've learned a lot. It makes me want to get back into the classroom. It was a really fascinating conversation. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Job. And a special thanks to our guest, Robert Gardner, for talking to us about his career. And as always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorship, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free, and you can try it out today at uab.ca slash sboard. It's a great tool no matter where you are in your career journey. That's it for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. See you next time. <laughs>